This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All right, guys, welcome. Another special Rangers version. Of uh, the morning skate, you have Cat here, my beautiful voice. We got James Papa. Papa's in the building. Papa, say what up. Yo, what's going on? Chilling, chilling. And we have Ver- Vince Mercoliano. Did I nail that? You did it better before, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, Mercoliano. Mer- I don't know, man. I'm lost. Uh, new reporter for the Rangers. He's been just absolutely crushing it in the Twitter sphere and pretty much anywhere else you go. I mean... According to your Twitter, Brio, you're a pretty impressive guy. Uh, USA Today, ever heard of it? Sure have. Uh, reporter for USA Today Sports, Low Hud, North Jersey, the rest of the USA, USA Today Network. Uh, you're a former editor, so you know tons of words, which is good, and it says you still have sandwiches. Vince, what's your favorite type of sandwich? Oh, I don't have one, man. I like them all. I love them all equally as long as they're made with love. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I like that you, a lot. Um, you know, yeah, I, we, we, what was that? I was going to say, it's like picking your favorite kid. I mean, I just, you know, I like all different kinds of sandwiches. That's kind of how I got that reputation. Okay, you're just you're just a sandwich guy. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, but, yep, you've been doing a great job. Uh, everybody on Twitter's really seen, you know, what you've been doing. The one thing that I think people kind of respect the most out of you is I feel it's kind of like a hard thing being a reporter because you can't, like, kind of step on other people's toes except for at the same time you're asking questions that, like, we genuinely, like, want to know answers to. Like, today with uh, Leah Anderson's ice time availability, all that kind of stuff. But before we even get into any of that, I just kind of want to get a little bit of background from you. You started with the Rangers this year. Uh, what were you doing before that? Or did you, like, grow up as a hockey guy? How did you get involved with all this stuff? Like, tell me more about your background. I mean, I grew up as a sports guy. Uh, I've, like, either played or covered almost any sport you can imagine. Uh, I grew up in New York, so the teams I followed as a kid were Rangers for hockey, Jets for football, Yankees for baseball, you know, I guess a little bit of Knicks for basketball. I would say that I definitely watch more football, baseball, hockey uh, than anything else. But I like I played lacrosse. Um, I started as a local sports reporter like 10, 11 years ago for Lohud, the Journal News. I did a lot of high school stuff. Um, 
for the last couple years, I was the sports editor for the Journal News in Lohud, but I also like kind of kept my hands in on the reporting side of things, did like a lot of features and investigative type of work. Uh, I spent about five years as our backup Yankees writer. So I would do like half the Yankee home game. So I do have a lot of experience covering baseball. Um, the hockey thing was, you know, I was always interested. Uh, and I actually ended up talking to USA Today about a couple different opportunities in the spring. And they told me that they really wanted to get back into covering the Rangers in a big way. And that was a really appealing opportunity for me. I'd never gotten the chance to kind of like take a beat. Uh, for a pro team as my own. Uh, and the timing was perfect because I took the job in the spring. It was like right around the time they they got they won, they won the number two pick in the lottery. I got to acclimate all summer, went to Vancouver to cover the draft. Uh, so I had the whole summer to kind of, you know, make calls. And I got to, you know, meet Jeff Gorton and a lot of guys that work for the team. And uh, so by the time training camp came around, I really felt like I was ready to hit the ground running. It's, it's been a lot of fun since then. Oh man. So I, that's like my dream. Like that's like the coolest thing ever. Now, as much as that's my dream, like getting to see like Gordon, all those guys, I'm sure that there's like some parts of the job that are just kind of like, uh, like the tra- does it travel? I mean, we've only two games in, but I feel like travel's probably going to be like one of those things where it's like, Oh, now I'm on another plane. Is that like kind of what you're thinking? Like there's definitely some pros and cons, I would assume. I mean, I'm getting spoiled right now because they just played two games and now they don't have another game. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sure, listen, I'm going to pay for it eventually. I'm sure. I mean, there's some road trips coming up, especially like, like, for example, on New Year's Eve, I'm going to be in Edmonton on like a, an eight day Western Canada swing. Um, so, you know, my girlfriend's not too crazy about that one, but, uh, I mean, it'll be, it's going to be fun, man. I mean, it's a new experience. It's what I signed up for. So I'm, I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is like, I, you know, you touched on a little bit. I'm trying to tackle this beat in my own way. I had a lot of ideas for, for how I wanted to do it. And now I'm really getting a chance to do it my way, which has been a lot of fun so far. Um, and you know, now it's just getting interesting. We got two games down 80 to go. So. Yeah. And with two games down and 80 to go, I think, I mean, because you said you covered baseball. I don't know how much you were, were like dove into the realm of Rangers Twitter, but I think two games in, you can kind of see that this is a very passionate and uh, sometimes overreacting type of Twitter. Uh, we've had tons of things go on literally over the course of like two weeks where people are just like freaking out. And I think one of the number one questions right now has to do with the Rangers second line center. Uh, Vitaly Kratsov and Filipino got sent down to Hartford to, uh, I guess, tone their game up a little bit more where Leah Anderson got to stay. David Quinn was uh, interviewed where he said something along the lines where, like, these kids are going to be given minutes, all this stuff. Over the first two games, Leah Anderson's minutes don't really kind of go on track with what was said, and you asked him about that today. I was just wondering if you can kind of give us a little bit of insight on that situation. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of the centers that are on the team right now, I, I asked him, you know, because if you look at the numbers, it's pretty clear. The top line has been awesome, uh, and, and that's been the main reason they've won those first two games. But lines two through four really haven't produced. I think it's, if you look at the forwards alone, it's like the top line, I think, has 15 combined points, and then lines two through four are like six combined points. So obviously, in the long run, that's not really sustainable. You're going to need, especially that second line, to, to step it up and start producing more. And he was pretty straightforward about that. When I asked about the second line, he said they need to be better. Um, so, you know, Quinn, I think will be honest a lot of times with, with things like that. 
I think what the fans probably have the biggest issue with now is fans love prospects. They love like upside and homegrown guys and and kind of what could be. Uh, and I think they get a little carried yeah, away with that sometimes. Toys, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, Strom hasn't played well. There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, Quinn kind of dodged that question a little bit. Uh, you know, clearly the first game didn't go well for him uh, at that second line center position. He had two penalties in the first period. So obviously Quinn said he played better in the second game. That wasn't that difficult to do. Um, I asked him specifically, are you thinking about Anderson or Howden getting a shot at that second line center position? And he said, for sure, uh, if their play warrants it, I'm going to give him the shot there. Uh, so I think that it's not probably not going to happen as quickly as the fans want it to, but I think eventually that's a possibility because if you look at the top six right now, the the one clear spot that's a question mark is the second line center. Um, but I think overall, I mean, you look at anybody uh, on the lines two, three, or four, nobody has really played that well, at least on the offensive end. I think some of those guys have, have gotten better, especially in the second game in the defensive zone. Um, but you know, Quinn's not going to make any crazy moves to two moves, uh, two games into the season. The one move that he had today at practice that was a slight change was he had Brendan Lemieux up as the uh, the winger, the left winger on the third line. And he moved the Mesnikov down to the fourth line. I think you're more likely to see minor little tweaks like that than something drastic right now. I know fans want to see Heedle and Kratzoff called up. I think it's likely you'll see Heedle before Kratzoff, especially given Kratzoff didn't even play. Uh, in the second game for, for Hartford uh, yesterday on Sunday. Um, but, you know, I, I think that they're going to be uh, less reactionary than the fans after two games, especially when they're 2-0. and Vince, do you think yeah, that— Yeah, and that was actually— Oh, sorry, go for it. No, no, no worries. I, I just had a question. Is Do you think there's, like, an, uh, a pressure, not so much in the locker room, but throughout the organization, that they need to get Kako going? I mean, it, it's— it's obviously pretty clear that I don't think Kako would be moved anywhere just yet because we're two games in, he's 18 years old, and he's physically, you know, perfectly fine to play at this level. Do you think there's pressure to get a, a center in there that could help get him going, whether that be a guy that gets him the puck or someone that, you know, can find open space to get open for him? I don't think there's pressure yet after two games, especially, like I said, with them being 2-0, and that kind of covers up the warts right now. Kako, it's like it's interesting with him because you know he's so talented. It's so obvious in practice. It was obvious in Traverse City. It was obvious in some preseason games. But you know you can't lose sight of the fact that he he's only played two NHL games. He's still only 18. I think more so than anything, he needs that breakout performance for his own confidence, and then it'll probably start rolling after that. But it might take some time, and there's no way they're going to hit the panic button with him. I don't think they're going to move him off that second line. And quite frankly, uh, it, you know, for that second line to produce, he's the biggest talent on there. So you, it, it's really going to come down to when that line starts producing. It's probably going to be him and Kreider that make it produce. I mean, whoever's playing center on that line, Kako and Kreider are the more capable players. So you know, the, the second line center, I think there's a chance eventually we see them toy around with that if Strom continues to kind of be what he is. I mean, right now he has, you know, he hasn't looked great there. I thought he had, I did, I will say this about Strom. I thought he had flashes where he looked pretty good in the preseason. Uh, he's probably better suited on the third or fourth line. There's no doubt about that. But I also don't think that Howden or Anderson is lighting the, the world on fire right now. Again, I think fans look at those guys 
with wide eyes because they're prospects and there's upside there, especially, you know, they, they seem to prefer Addison and uh, Anderson and Heedle over Howden because those are like their own homegrown guys. They drafted those guys. They've been looking forward to those guys. I mean, I saw the same thing with the Yankees when, when they had, you know, all these homegrown guys coming up, fans were so anxious to get those guys into the game. Uh, and I understand why there's talent there, but it's not like either one of them is lighting the world on fire right now. So unfortunately, the Rangers don't have a great option at second line center, but they're not going to hit the panic button on that. And they're certainly not going to start feeling pressure or putting pressure on Kako yet because there's a long way to go. And I think that especially in Kako's case, there's no doubt that he's going to be a good player. And and I think, I think some of that you have Kako, He's 18 years old, right? And you have Chris Kreider. Let's say that you were to bump up a Howden or an Anderson. You're essentially going to have two very young rookies with not a ton of NHL experience playing with Chris Kreider, which offensively sounds like a really good idea. But defensively, there's not that experience of being in the zone, being able to cover your guy, those those big minutes against other teams' decently top lines, I guess. And I think a lot of people are, oh, Ryan Strom this, Ryan Strom that. Ryan Strom was a great New York Ranger last year. Like He scored a ton of goals. He's been in the league for a while. He was a high draft pick. He, he's kind of been through that ringer right now. And I think the biggest thing is we talked about, like, pressure. Like, I don't think there's really that much pressure going on with the Rangers themselves right now. They're 2-0. and Like, uh, they can totally work on their game. I think a lot of this pressure is just fans freaking out because we don't have another game for a week. Yeah. And – like you said, your homegrown people, they like they aren't really where they want to be right now. But I think sometimes people just got to take a deep breath and realize it's two games into this year. Like what's going on right now? I'd say 99 percent chance it's not going to be happening. Game 80, 81, 82. Right. Yeah. And, and I would also say this with Anderson and, and Howden. I think the Rangers and Quinn especially are more confident with them in the defensive zone than they are offensively. I mean, both those guys are getting used on the penalty kill. And Quinn has talked about them being, quote unquote, all around players. But I don't think that we've seen enough from either one of them as playmakers. I mean, you're talking about you want a center that's going to get Kako and Kreider going. What really has Anderson or Howden shown offensively that makes you think that they're all of a sudden going to be a spark if you move them up to the second line? I think the strength for those guys right now is that Quinn trusts them in the defensive zone, especially Andrew. I mean, both of those guys, I think, play really hard. Um you know, I think conditioning has definitely improved. They talked a lot about that with those guys. I think that they that they want to see more of more of their ability to generate points before they're going to make a drastic move with one of them. I don't think it's so much about their defensive coverage. <laughs> okay, well then, if that's the case, is that kind of a catch twenty two? Because you have these two high profile wingers that can fly, right? You have Chris Kreider streaking down the wing. We've seen that time and time again, like. He's just a physical specimen, that guy. He's unreal. Then you have Capo Caco, who's like, I mean, he he's unbelievable. Like, this kid's, like, unreal. So if if, if that's the case, wouldn't you want to put a younger player up there to see if you can get some spark going and generate some offense? I think eventually they try that. Like I said, if, especially the way it's going with Strom right now, I think eventually they try that. But, again, it comes down to this. The Rangers really don't have a great option at second-line center. There's a reason they wanted Heedle to grab that spot when they were in training camp. He definitely has the most offensive potential of those centers that we're talking about. But his issue is they don't trust him in the defensive zone. And I, I, what I, I actually – so I, I'm, I'm going to plug my own story a little bit here. I spent time talking to a bunch of different players about Mika today. 
and what impresses them so much about Mika. And to a man, I, you know, I, I talked to veterans like Lundquist and Mark Stahl. I talked to young guys like Leas and Howden uh, who really, really seem to look up to Mika. And what everybody is so impressed with with him is obviously the points have been standing out right now because eight points in two games is pretty wild. But Mika is so good all around. His he, he's right now. If you look at the NHL stats, it's only a few games, but he's in the top ten in faceoff percentage. He's out there on the penalty kill. They really trust him in the defensive zone. He just does everything well. And and the Rangers, unfortunately, right now do not have a second center that is anywhere near that caliber in terms of their all around game. Each guy they have has warts. Strom, limited upside there. He, you know, he did some good things offensively last year. I actually asked him recently about that crazy shooting percentage that he has because he, once he came to the Rangers, he shot like 22.5%, which is pretty wild. Um, we joked about that a little bit. I don't think he could obviously do that again. But, you know, we know that Strom at this point probably is what he is. Uh Anderson and Howden haven't shown enough playmaking ability in the offensive zone to really warrant that second line center spot. And Hedl, they feel like is a liability defensively. So really, they don't have a great option in the long run. Acquiring a guy that they feel good about to play second line center is going to be a priority unless all of a sudden we see a jump in the development of a guy like Hedl or Howden or Anderson, or, you know, a guy like Carl Hendrickson ends up coming and signing in a couple of years and developing into a big player. Yep. Uh, second, our second round pick, I think in this uh, most recent draft, that Hendrickson kid. Um, now we're going to kind of rewind a little bit. We'll go back to the first line. Yeah. We talked about Mika, who's just been absolutely crushing it. Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, he showed that playmaking ability last year. Quinn's given him a chance on that wing, which is awesome. I kind of want to get your thoughts on our Temi Panarin. Uh, to me, it seems like he's really embraced New York City with all these Instagram posts of like him just loving it. Uh, his dog gets in, gets an article in the post, which is more than I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, I think that's really cool. What what can, what can you tell us about Panarin? He just seems just like a happy, happy dude that just absolutely loves hockey. I think the one thing, at least for me, that sticks out, he's not the biggest guy, but if there's a 50-50 puck battle nine times out of ten, for some way, somehow, he gets the puck. So what what do you have on Panarin and and what he's brought to the Rangers thus far. Yeah, I, he's brought a lot. I mean, a lot of different things. You you touched on the way that he's able to win those 50-50 pucks. Like, I was talking to somebody about this today. You, you know, he had this offensive reputation, and he's totally lived up to that. Uh, everything he does offensively just seems to kind of come easier than it does for other guys. The, the way he glides on the ice, I, you know, his passing is, is, I think, slightly underrated. His shot is incredible. I mean, you, you watch him, like, I was standing behind the net today when he was taking uh, slap shots at practice. And it just seems like it, it, not only the way it comes off the stick is like different from other guys, but he's just, he hits the net more than anybody else. He's accurate. Um, but like when, the other night against Ottawa, there was a few different times where he just took the puck off, uh, off of somebody from the Senator's stick. And there was one play where he got back in the defensive zone and cut a guy off right near the crease, right before he was able to get a shot off. Like, He's making plays all over the ice where he just seems to like be a magnet for the puck. Uh, so that's really been impressive about him just from the game standpoint. Um, you're definitely right about him being all smiles. I wrote an article about that during training camp. Like the guy is always, always smiling. There's a little bit of a language barrier. And I think he's, re- I see him rely a lot on Buchnevich. Like those guys are constantly talking on the ice in the locker room. Uh, he's not totally confident in his English yet. 
sometimes like if I, you know, I'll walk over there and you can like, kind of like say something to him where you, you, you keep it sort of simple. And he definitely understands what you're saying, but I think he's still growing confidence with that. And that that's a limitation in terms of communicating with his teammates. But the whole team seems to feel more swagger, more confidence because he's there. Like, you know, same thing with Truba. Like both of those guys stepped into that locker room and were right away clearly the best players at their position. And I think the trickle down effect of that for the entire locker room is like everybody feels better about themselves. And guys that were being asked to play a certain role last year now get to slot down into a role that's probably more fitting of their talent level uh, now. So it, it, it really has been like just overall the team just feels much better about itself because he's there. And, and like you, you touched on him I mean, really, really embracing New York, um, you know, that that I think has been pretty clear from the get go that he likes the big stage and he wants a chance to really show what he can do, you know, in in this city. No, for for sure. I mean, he's been normally the Rangers. We kind of get like these guys that are supposed to be nasty and they're like two or three years out of their prime. And they just don't really live up to it. I think I think we might have finally got one that's going to be cripping it up in uh new york city here for the next couple of years you uh you mentioned a little while ago brendan lemieux got bumped up to the third line i love this guy's game i mean it's been a while since the rangers have kind of had that that guy with sandpaper grit kind of a little bit of a rat but like he's your rat kind of guy i mean i love lemmy uh what what can you tell us about brendan lemieux like what's he like around the locker room this i mean he, he's one of my favorite players. I've, I've always kind of been one of those guys like, yeah, it's cool to score goals, but I love the guys that are just kind of like for the boys all the time. And he seems like he's one of those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's kind of like a jokester prankster type in the locker room. Uh, he definitely likes to have a good time. You could tell that uh, one of the louder presences in the locker room and that's how he plays. I mean, I've, I, I've, I was saying this to uh, Carp from the athletic the other day, when you watch him on the ice, like before the play even starts, He's always poking and prodding guys like he's clearly trying to piss off people on the other team, uh, which is fun. You know, he, he had a, he took a bad penalty a couple games ago. Like sometimes he's got to control it. Uh, but for the most part, I think, you know, he's a good agitator. He's the kind of guy that people hate to play against and love him when he's on your team, which is sort of what you're touching on. Um, and I think the Rangers really value that because even, you know, Jeff Gorton said this uh, the day after they uh, Lemieux signed when it looked like there was a chance he might hold out and he, he got signed the night before training camp started. Like, he's the type of player that they don't have enough of and they need. Uh, and you know what? I, I think that they feel that there's some offensive ability that's still kind of untapped uh, and they feel like that might come more and more as time goes by. So yeah, he brings that grittiness, that toughness, he pisses opponents off and that's all great. And it's important for him to play that role. But if, if this guy starts becoming a guy who can actually contribute some points, he, I don't think he has any yet this year, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if he does develop offensively, then uh, you know, he could be a real valuable piece for them. Yeah. I'll go for it. There's a little bit of a delay, so I get cut off a little bit. But I, I did want to say Lemieux is he the first when we got him originally last year. Uh, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, we might have another Sean Avery. Do you do you feel that he can almost play that Sean Avery role? And I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that if he plays with that grittiness and that annoyance out there, and you know, throws people off their game, uh, the New York fans love that. They love that role. They embrace it and. I mean, I feel like we almost have the next Sean Avery. Sean Avery was obviously gifted offensively for the Rangers. I mean, if you looked at his stats, they were actually pretty impressive. And our winning percentage with him in the lineup was tremendous. 
Um, do you think as, you know, as the season goes on and, uh, you know, he's starting to play in front of the New York crowd that, you know, he'll, he'll start to win over some fans and, and his role will grow with the Rangers? Yeah, I mean, listen, he's we talk, all the fans have talked about all this line movement they want to see. He's really the first guy that Quinn's saying, I like the way you're playing. I'm going to give you more responsibility. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's definitely a chance that uh, he continues to move up the pecking order. You know, I I don't know if he's ever going to be a top six guy, but for, you know, for him to be getting a shot in the top nine already, I think that's a good sign for him for sure. Yeah, and especially with, the, I mean, it's rebuild, rebuild. I don't really know if they're still in a rebuild per se, but I think Lemieux is definitely a player that once you get in the playoffs, he's a guy you want on your team. It would suck to play a seven game series against that guy. It would be awful. Um, you talked about toughness. One of the things that I, that I really liked, I didn't know anything about Jacob Truba when he came here. I, I knew that he was an American defensive right-handed shot. I knew that he kind of always had like contract battles with Winnipeg and he played, I think on their second, their second pairing and he wanted to get paid big pairing money and again, normally when the Rangers do that, they kind of miss the ball. But it seems like Jacob Trouba is the real deal since he's been here. I mean, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, but he's been leaps and bounds like our best defenseman. He can defend. He's got a cannon on the point, and he, he clears the crease really well. That's one thing over the years that drove me nuts when people would get in front of Lundqvist and nobody would do anything. I think Trouba is that guy who would be like, hey, you can probably go sit down on the corner now. What what is uh what's Jacob Truba's impact? What's he like in the room, and how how happy are the boys to have a guy like that on their team? Right-handed shot too. Yeah, I mean the, the shot really stands out. That that's been that's been pretty fun to watch, and that's been exactly what they needed on the power play. And he also you know he seems to make the right play with the puck too. Like I think his passing ability. I mean he had 42 assists or something like that last year. So obviously he can pass the puck. I'll say I'll admit I didn't watch a lot of Winnipeg games before he came here, so I didn't know that much about his all-around game. And then that, I, it was like the very first practice. I got a video of it and I put it on Twitter, and uh, that that one was definitely a fun one for me to grab, uh, where he laid Kako out uh, at the first practice, and he was not gonna he knocked heel down. I mean, he knocked a few guys around that day, and right off the bat, I was like, wow, this guy's more physical than I thought he was. Um, and even like when we had spoke when we had spoken to Brendan Lemieux the day that he signed his contract. Uh, at the end, people were asking him about Truba, and he was like, listen, this guy's going to surprise you with how tough he is. Like, you know, he's not out there to mess around. Uh, so th- that's been something that they definitely need. Uh, you know, he he's he definitely looks w- really well-rounded. I think in terms of his locker room presence, he, he's pretty mild-mannered. He's not, he's not really like a pound-his-chest kind of guy. Uh, I talked to him a bunch last week when I was working on a story about special teams, um, and he'll give you some pretty insightful stuff, but – you know, he's he's kind of like a straightforward guy. Like he's not he's definitely not a loud guy. Um, you know, I think he's still kind of settling in. You might see more of that personality come out as he gets more comfortable with the team. Uh, but but for sure, I mean, you know, he, he's he's looked pretty good in practice. I think he felt like him and the defense as a whole, because uh, I talked to him after the first game, I didn't play that well. So I think he feels like he should be playing better in the defensive zone. Um but yeah, I mean, he, he's exactly what they needed. The defense was was I think their biggest weakness last year. Uh, so they still I think have some work to do back there. But getting him again, that trickle down effect I was talking about, being able to slot him in as your top guy on the right side, you know, and now have D'Angelo slide down, take a little pressure off of Adam Fox, it, it just makes everybody better. Yeah, and and staying with that right side, Tony D'Angelo didn't really get a full camp. He he held out a little bit and. It, I think it had to do with that amount of money the Rangers had left, and and he ended up taking the deal, which I'm happy for him. 
still getting paid. That's good. I think this is going to be a big year for Tony. I mean, he he's incredible. He makes great great first passes. He plays with a little bit of an edge. I I kind of think him and Lemieux are kind of like these little baby Bash brothers. I love watching those two out on the ice with each other. What do you have on Tony D'Angelo and like his game? He just seems like he's got a little bit of arrogance to him. And I think as long as you can back that up, I love it. And I'm a huge Tony D guy. So what do you have on him? Yeah, you know, arrogance is probably the right way to put it. Um, he definitely, <laughs> he, he definitely like he's got the sly smile all the time. Like you could tell that he likes to, you know, maybe not get under people's skin. Well, on the ice, he likes to get under people's skin. But uh, even like his Twitter presence, you know, yeah. like he's constantly messing with people. Um, yeah, he, he's. Uh, I think he's really motivated. Honestly, uh, you know, he said he said the right things when he came in. You know, after he held out for a week and and just kind of took his medicine, accepted the contract that he knew he probably wasn't going to be able to do any better then. Um, and I think he's really motivated. I, I think he, he has his sights set on a, a bigger payday. Uh, you know, I was in the locker room a couple of weeks ago and I just overheard some guys talking about other contracts and he seemed to be interested in that conversation. Um, so I, I think, you know, he's looking to prove it this year. He's looking to prove that what he showed last year is something that he can build on. He definitely has offensive skills and i think he's improving in the defensive zone i think you could say that about a lot of guys on this team uh in terms of the defensemen um you know hayak fox those are guys that come with more offensive reputations that need to prove that they can really buckle down uh in the defensive zone but d'angelo looked good even after missing that time in the preseason and quinn's been speaking highly of him again i think that he's looking to cash in and have a really good year to set himself up for a payday yeah, and it kind of seemed like Tony D kind of always had, like, these overlying issues or whatever, right? Like, when he was on Tampa, that I don't know if they're made-up issues, but, like, kind of gets in the media. He's a little bit of a headache, goes to Arizona, and then he comes to New York, all these things. Do you think that he's matured quite a bit since he's been on the Rangers? Like, is that something that you've seen with him and Coach Quinn, where maybe at first a little bit of a liability, but now, like, he, he's, he finally starts to get it, I guess, and he, and he really – his play starts stepping up. Like, is this going to be a guy that you see – that that's going to be a leader on the back end here in the next couple of years. It's hard to say. I haven't spent enough time around with him to really like, especially be able to talk about how he was previously. I've only gotten to know him, in, you know, in the last month or so. Um, so I, you know, I don't know, I guess time will tell, but like I said, I think that his game is improving. His game is maturing and uh, he's starting to figure more things out as a player. And I think that he's very focused right now. I'll say that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too, like, is he going to embrace with our younger defensemen? Is he going to embrace that? Uh, the is he going to be a role model that they can actually look up to? I know he was playing with uh, with Stahl, but uh, with the younger defensemen, I, w- I was wondering. Like, I mean, he's been around the league. Um, he's very confident and very arrogant. Is he going to take on um, a leadership role with the younger defensemen? And I know you have Stahl and Truba both there, but how, how does he fit in? Like, he's almost like an in between guy in terms of. You know, he's newer in New York, but he's also been around the league a little bit. Yeah, I mean, leadership wise on the defense, it's stall. It's start, you know, it starts with stall, obviously. Uh, you know, he's he's just I know he takes a lot of heat from fans on Twitter. It's something I've learned, uh, you know, especially since I took this job. But uh, Stahl's a guy that I think they all look to uh, for guidance. And, and he's definitely the leader in terms of the defenseman. And, you know, Truba, I think, could grow into that role. But a guy that I think that is really underrated there is Brady Shea. I mean, he's a guy that's really accountable, uh, says the right things. I, I think that I would probably consider Shea more of a leader for the younger defenseman than I would D'Angelo. Um, you know, I, I, I think that 
I see Fox kind of gravitating more towards Stahl, Shea, uh, than I do D'Angelo specifically. I think D'Angelo, like you said, I mean, the guy's only 23. I think to, to put him in a leadership role at this point is probably even a little unfair to him. Uh, he's still polishing off his own game. So, uh, you know, could he develop into a leader? Sure. But I, I'll tell you from what I've witnessed that, that Stahl's the guy that it starts with. And I think Truba and Shea would probably be next in line. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's that's good stuff. Didn't know it. Uh, Mark Stahl. You mentioned him. I'm not a big Mark Stahl guy. I'll openly admit that. Papa's smiling because he already knows it. I'm not going to do any of that. But can you tell me something about Mark Stahl that's going to kind of get me being like, okay, Mark Stahl. Like you said that he has this leadership thing going on with the defenseman. Is, is he taking younger guys aside? Is he like what does Mark Stahl really, really mean to this defensive group? Because clearly he means something because he he's here and he's been here. How how long has Mark Stahl been a New York Ranger? Like for forever. So like what what can you tell us about Mark Stahl that you know like a typical, I guess hater like myself wouldn't normally know? Where I'm like okay, all right, I I can kind of get behind that. He's he's just he's a calming presence in the locker room. Like he still has fun. Like he's kind of a big kid in that locker room. Um. Today, I had a conversation with him about what's the worst spot to get hit with a puck because he blocked a couple shots the other night. So he was telling me the worst part. The worst part is when you get hit on the inside of the ankle. Uh, you know, he's, he, listen, he is what he is at this point. I mean, he, he kind of said it to me when I interviewed. The first time I interviewed him, we were talking about how his game has evolved over the years. And, you know, he'll he'll openly admit that he's not going to be a big risk taker who's going to make take offensive chances, although – you know, that first goal that he scored of the season, uh, that kind of went against that theory. Who would have called that, man? Like, of yeah. all the people, a wraparound, Stefan Mateau-esque wraparound. He yeah. scored. I, I looked over. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Right I now. said to him today, I was like, why didn't you try that against Ottawa two games in a row? <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's he's just like a, he's like a guy that's really approachable. And I think for young guys, that's important to have. I, I think that's why a lot of the young players gravitate towards Mika, too, because these guys are just like calm cool, really approachable, you know, can have a little bit of fun, but also know when to be serious. Um, listen, he kind of is what he is at this point. I think the organization values him. Uh, obviously, you know, they were going to buy out one of those expensive defenseman contracts and they, for, for a variety of reasons, they chose Shattenkirk. They're not, they, they clearly weren't going to just like do whatever they had to do to get rid of Stahl at that point because they've eaten enough money as it is. So he's going to play out his contract. I'm fairly confident in that. I mean, things could change this offseason, but right now he's here. You know, they value him. He's a good presence in the locker room. I think that defensively his principles are there. I think that he's a guy that's probably, he told me, he's risk averse. He's not going to take a lot of chances. He's going to try to do what's right in the defensive zone. And you know, I'm the, I, I, I think that he probably takes a little more slack from the fans than he deserves. With with that being said, his game is, you know, his game is diminished in certain ways. But I don't think it's the end of the world for him to be on the second or third pair. If he's on your first pair, that's probably a little more of an issue. And I think you you kind of nailed it, too, because when you're talking about Stahl and you're saying how guys are kind of gravitating towards Meek. And if you look at how old, how old is Meek? Like 25, 24, 25, 26? Six, yeah. Something along those lines. And if those are the, I mean, that's a young team, man. Like if that's somebody that people are looking up to, 26 years old. And then you have Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl's been in the league for a while. And again, not a huge fan, but I kind of have to take a step back and respect the fact. I mean, he's been through the ringer for this team, man. He, he was through the torch years when everybody was just blocking shots left and right. Like, the guy's seen pretty much anything that you could throw at somebody. And for that, I respect it. 
And I, and I think he sends the right messages about defensive principles too. Like he gave me a few quotes early in the in the um, early in training camp, just where he was talking about areas where he thought that they had issues and that they need to clean up. Like I think he just has a better understanding of that than anybody else. Um, you know, maybe besides Truba uh, on the defense right now. So you know, th- th- there's definitely value to having him on the roster. Um, and you touched on Mika only being 26. Uh, actually. Cool story about Mika that I, I knew this a little bit, but, but I found it out more today because I was talking with Leas for a while. Uh, Leas has been living with Mika for the last month and a half, like because Leas was kind of unsure if he was going to make the roster. So Mika was like, hey, why don't you just crash with me? And yeah. it just turned into this like temporary <laughs> slash permanent thing. So I actually I wrote a little bit about that today. It's going up in the morning, but it's pretty cool to see how behind the scenes Mika is doing these things. Um to help the younger players out. And yeah, Mika's only 26, but Leas is 20. So in Leas's eyes, you know, Mika's kind of like this old yeah. guy that he looks up to. Yeah. And from the same Swedish type thing that they got going on. So, I mean, that's always good to see too. Uh, another older, he's not even that old, Chris Kreider. Uh, this is a contract year. Do you think that this is a show me what you're worth kind of year? I mean, I don't, as of right now, I don't think I've seen anywhere that the agent and the Rangers organization are going through contract talks like that. What do you have on Chris Kreider? Do you think that this is going to be a distraction for him this year? Do you think he's going to step up? And and at the end of the day, do you see him wearing a blue shirt next year? Again, this is only the second game of the year. I totally get it. And this might be a little bit too much to answer. But what do you have on Kreider? Well, Gordon got asked the other day because Gordon spoke to the media uh, when the roster got cut down for the final time. And he was asked about Kreider and he said he hasn't talked to his agent recently. So I can tell you that, that they're they're not having any any talks right now. I think, you know, they're the Rangers right now are waiting and seeing. I wrote about this in my column the, the day uh, before the, the first game. The Rangers are waiting for this team to declare itself like they're they're trying to see, is this a playoff team or are we another year away still? If they if they end up determining that they're a year away still, I think Kreider almost certainly gets traded. He's the most valuable piece that they have. I think that they would ideally like to get a package similar to what they got for Kevin Hayes last year. I think they'd like to net a first-round pick for him. And I think if they determine that they're probably not a playoff team, that's almost certainly going to happen. Not that they'll get the first-round pick, but they'll almost certainly move him and get whatever value they can for him. But in the meantime, you know, I, I think they see him as a valuable piece of this year's team. Uh whether they can fit him next year, I think that's going to be tough. Um, it really depends, I think, especially if he were willing to take a hometown discount. Like, does he really want to stay? And would he take less money than he could maybe get on the open market? That would make it more of a possibility. But I, I got, you know, honestly, I think it's unlikely. I don't think it's a distraction right now because it's so early in the season. I can tell you that he doesn't seem to be a huge fan of those questions. Um so, and understandably so, I mean, you know, who wants to hear that speculated about uh, over and over and over again? I think that's been like the main thing people have been asking him about for months now. Um, so I, I think he's valuable in the locker room too. I mean, I think he, I think him, Mika and Stahl are like the most visible leaders I see in that locker room. Uh, so there's a lot of value to having him on the team right now. And I think the Rangers feel like, it's unlikely they can keep him long term, but they want to wait and see how the season plays out. Now, if they, if they go on some incredible run and do make the playoffs and he's having such a great time that, you know, maybe he were willing, you know, maybe he he is willing to kind of meet them in the middle to figure out a way to stay. It becomes more of a possibility right now. I think it's unlikely he's with the team next year and it's kind of to be determined whether they try to move him at the trade deadline. 
Yeah, I mean, I so Kreider is almost like uh, Jimmy. He's he's like uh, your stall, and uh, he's <laughs> he, well, he's been one of those guys that uh, for years now you're always like, this is his breakout year. This is his breakout year. And you watch some games where he's the best player on the ice, and he can take over with his speed and strength. And then there's other games where he's a ghost, and you don't even know he's in the lineup. So, well, I had two questions about him. Number one, do you think Kreider will break out offensively, given this is a a money year? And number two, do you think that teams will be hesitant to trade for him, given what they saw kind of with Hayes going to Winnipeg and how he kind of underperformed there and ended up just leaving? Because that's like one thing that I don't I don't understand uh, when it comes to, um, you know, you know, managers basically making a trade for these guys that like, are they even sure that that player is even going to stick around and coughing up a, a first rounder with next year's draft coming in? I don't think teams are going to be willing to do that for Chris Kreider. A couple things on that. I, I don't know if the Hayes deal really will have anything to do with Kreider uh, necessarily. Uh, and, and I also think that you can't discount when teams feel like they're close and they might be a piece away, they get desperate. I mean, that happens across all sports at any trade deadline. Um, so I, I think that the closer you wait to the trade deadline, probably the more you can get for him. And I, I think that the Rangers probably poked around and tried to see what kind of offers were out there this summer. And they weren't crazy about him. So, and so they decided to, to sit on it. Um, I also think they saw value to having him on the team this year. I mean, listen, through two games, I don't think he's really had any standout moments. But again, only two games. Uh, I do think that there's something to be said for guys that are in the contract year, like we talked about with D'Angelo before, who are playing for a big payday. Uh, So I definitely think there's added motivation for that, for sure. Um, Whether that leads to more consistency from him, again, we'll see. Uh, I I think that that whole second line that we talked about earlier needs to play better, and he's probably one of, if not the biggest culprit right now. Um, So, you know, I, I think with Kreider, again, it's wait and see. I think if the Rangers feel like... He's being a really valuable piece for them, and they're in the playoff hunt. You know, he, there's a chance he'll see he'll he'll stay on the team till the end of the year. But I also think that you can't overlook the fact that he's probably their most valuable trade bait right now. All right, I I actually have two prospect questions before we get into goaltending. First question: uh, My boy Vitali was healthy scratched after the second game. I was wondering if you have any update on that, if there was any reasoning behind that. And then my second question, I loved Ryan Lindgren's game in the preseason. He kind of plays that that old school defenseman thing that you uh you know that you see that you don't really see anymore. So Vitali, what's the deal with him? And Ryan Lindgren, is that a is that a player that we could see come up maybe first if there's an injury or anything along those lines? Uh Kratzoff, a lot of people have asked me about that in the last 24 hours. I asked the Rangers today. I kind of figured they would be tight-lipped about it, and they predictably were. Um <laughs> They confirmed that he's not hurt, so there's nothing going on there. Uh, they said it was a coach's decision, just a healthy scratch. So, I mean, that that kind of is what it is. I agree that it's odd. I mean, there's no doubt about it that they, they talked at length about, with him and Heedle in particular, that if they weren't going to play top nine minutes in the NHL, they wanted them going to Hartford so they, they could continue their development. I think both of those guys have offensive games that the Rangers feel like they like the upside to a lot, but they feel like they're not well-rounded and they've got a lot of work to do, especially in the defensive zone. And I don't think either one of them made enough plays in the preseason to, for the Rangers to say, you know, even if they're work in progress on defense, they're so good offensively, we got to keep them. Um, you know, listen, if, if Kratzoff is a scratch for 
multiple games. Like let's let's see how this plays out in the next few weeks. If they scratch him, yeah. If they if they scratch him multiple times, then I think that it's more of a reason to say, hey, like what the heck is going on here? This makes no sense. Yeah. One game, who knows what the reason? Um, you know, it, it could be anything. Like I don't even want to speculate that it was disciplinary or that they wanted him to see the game from the press box or that they wanted him to learn something about the. You know, who knows? I don't think it's worth speculating. I'm not going to overreact to one game. But if it becomes a trend, then I think it's definitely something I'll, you know, that me and I'm sure other people will press harder about. Um, as for Lindgren, Quinn really seems to like him. I think that if anything happens to any of the defensemen uh, that are on the team right now, he's probably the first call up. Um, I, I think I agree with not making him the seventh defenseman and not keeping yeah. him. He's going to be a scratch most nights. I think it's better to get him playing time. Um, but if somebody gets hurt, I think he's the first guy they call up. And if Hayek in particular underperforms, I think that you could see Lindgren take his spot. Okay. All right. Well, I know that we have to wrap it up here because we appreciate all your time. I have like four quick, very, very quick questions. One, you hang out with Henry Blomquist. How perfect is that guy's hair? It's almost as good as mine. No, <laughs> uh, it's pretty. It's pretty freaking good. It's pretty good. Uh, H- Hank's uh, Hank's interesting. Like I, I wrote a story about it. Um, you know, he's like one of those guys that you felt like it was a rite of passage to kind of like get a chance to talk to him when I first got the job. Uh, and you know, like we had said hello quickly in passing, but like I hadn't really had a chance to talk to him much that first week of training camp. And so it was like the third day or something. Um, and they were getting ready for the first preseason game. He wasn't playing in it. And some of the PR people told me, like, if you hang around, Hank's practicing later with the guys who aren't playing. Um, you know, you could probably catch him alone then. And it was really cool. Like, walked into the locker room, got to spend some time one on one with him for like 10 minutes or so. Uh, and he's just, he was like so open to talking about everything. Like, you would ask him one question, he would talk for a minute or so. Um, definitely, uh, you could see. Um, that he's just like a pro in every aspect. Even like his routine is very meticulous and I'm sure he's meticulous with the hair and his outfits and everything else that he does. So yeah, his hair is pretty nice. Definitely um, him and Quinn. Quinn you know, Quinn's hair is under, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's underrated, but Qu- Quinn's, I, that's why everybody was, was so surprised when he was wearing the hat the other day. Cause uh, Quinn's kind of got that like oh, yeah. hair every day. Yeah. Quinn's the George Clooney of NHL coaches. That's yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan Mead wants me to ask you, do you miss him? Uh, he hugged me when I saw him at MSG the other <laughs> night. Uh, so uh, yeah, I guess I guess you know it's been like a couple of days since I've seen him now. Five days, yeah, definitely definitely miss him. Five days, yeah, for sure. Uh, do the Rangers make the playoffs? I mean, they're two and zero. Eighty more. Eighty uh, more. I, I get. Listen, I think they have a real shot. Uh, I think there's some questions that need to be resolved. Uh, I think the two biggest questions for me right now are uh i guess maybe three um i probably could come up with like seven but we talked about the second line center i think getting production for lines two through four some way or another and you you can't rely on the top line to be doing what it's doing and just absolutely carry the team offensively all season and then just will they be consistent defensively uh we talked about all those defensemen right now that they have that are considered more like offensive defensemen uh, I think those guys really need to prove over the course of a full season that uh, that you know they have the grit and toughness and capabilities of of really really defending well against the high scoring teams in the league. So that that I, I think that was their biggest weakness last year, quite frankly. So I think the defense in particular is something that I'm really going to keep a close eye on. Okay. And then my last question for you: If you had to give us a hot take, the hottest Rangers take of the 2019-20 season, what would be your Rangers hot take? <laughs> 
Oh, my God. We've talked about everything. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where else to go here. Um, my hot take for the Rangers this season mm, would be that Ryan Strome is probably going to be the second center, second line center longer than anybody else wants. I don't think that's going to change. I mean, listen, it could, but I, I don't get the sense that Quinn is in any rush to change that. So that, that might be something that people don't want to hear, but I think that they are – going to wait for one of the other guys to really like force their hand before they do that all right cool well vince thank you for hopping on uh if you guys don't follow him on twitter it's at v-z-m-e-r-c-o-g-l-i-a-n-o i'm not again not going to try to pronounce that we appreciate you coming on man hopefully we can get you come on up maybe a couple more times this year halfway through end of the year something like that talk a little bit of rangers with you you are the people's reporter. We appreciate it, man. Thank you for asking the questions that we all actually like want to hear answers to. So thanks for taking time. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. Hey, reach out anytime, guys. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Thank thanks. And that was this episode of Morning Skate. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out that Brooklyn, now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Narrow, but I'll be hood forever, I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere, yeah, they love me everywhere, I used to cop in Harlem, all of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway, pulled me back to that McDonald's, took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street, catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry, cruising down A Street, off-white Lexus, driving so slow, but BK is from Texas, me, I'm out that Bed-Stuy, home of that boy, Biggie. Now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me Say what up to Tata, still sipping my ties Sitting courtside, Knicks and Nets give me high five Nigga, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee Tell by my attitude that I most definitely leave from no.